Welcome back. Thank you once again for hanging out with us. This is the one and only IT in the D show. I'm your host, Bob Waltenspiel, hanging out with co-host, producer extraordinaire, Randy Walker. Guest this week, the man, the legend, Claudius Maximus, a.k.a. the Cloudinator, a.k.a. Troy Dieter, AWS ambassador himself. We're going to be talking all things about reInvent, multi-cloud strategy, certification and training in cloud. If you are anywhere around the cloud industry, this is one episode you can't miss. Find us online, itinthed.com, and do us a favor. Give us a like on the socials. Subscribe to us everywhere. Find podcasts are sold. Don't forget, we are uh, moving up. Is it moving up, Randy? We're going to be check us out on meetup.com slash itinthed. It's going to be the third of third at 54 West in Clawson. Then we're going to third of three, third of three meetings. We're doing three at 54 West. I, I didn't mess that up. That was right. Randy looks at me like I'm just sniff glue. Um, we're going to be at 54 West in Clawson, um, third Thursday. Uh, go to meetup.com slash itinity for all the information because I did not write it down and don't judge me. It's November 17th. Thank you, Randy. That's why you're here. You can find 54 West is the bar behind Mojave. Mojave Cantina. Yep. No, uh, no speakers, no cover charges, just a bunch of geeks having margaritas talking shop it's a good time as always troy how you doing how are they treating you doing fantastic thanks for having me happy to be here so i'm good to, on my side i need to congratulate you uh for obtaining the claudius maximus title absolutely um, there was uh you needed what seven all seven certs from aws yep all seven and um i had to wrestle a few others in a cage match that was tough but uh here i am I'm alive still. You hit him with the steel chair. Behind, the ref wasn't watching, but uh, you can't see it on the on audio format, obviously. But there's this beautiful, beautiful uh, boxing slash wrestling belt with Troy's name on it. Um, basically, uh, yeah, we're not showing video, so no, it's all right. Um, but I, I'll be honest with you, that's quite an uh, an accomplishment. What now? What did you need? What was? It? I know you needed one last cert, but that's seven AWS certs. That's that's kind of a feat. Yeah, you no, know, yeah, it was a it was a bit of a cram and of a bit of a challenge because um, some kind folks like yourself mentioned that we have a Cloudiator title belt that can be won, and for me, it's a challenge. I mean, with certifications, it's something you know I love to learn, um, but when it comes to this, it's hey, I only need two more, so that sets off the fire in me to go and uh, obtain those two certifications. I think that one of the last ones I, ha- I needed was the uh, certified AWS SysOps administrator. And we've been in the industry as an AWS practitioner for about 10, 10 or so years now. So this, to, uh, needless to say, the SysOps administrator was a, a bit of low-hanging fruit. So um, sat it one night late into the evening, sitting in an office, and uh, got my results back the next day and was happy to you know say... Put in the order for the belt. I just uh, I just took my first, I know you guys all made fun of me, but I got my first proctored certification being in sales my whole career. I never really got a cert. And I, I've been, I, you know, I kind of wanted to get the cloud practitioner cert and get this thing rolling and start studying. And I never took the pro, a proctored exam at a, at a site, right? Everyone always talked to me about it. Um, I did it at my desk because you can do it from home now since COVID. They allow that. And it's amazing what I had to go through between like, oh, yeah. let me see what's on your wrist. 
Turn your camera around. What's that? Throw that on the couch behind you. Where's your phone? Put it on the table. Let me see it. Like the checks oh, yeah. and counter checks. And then, you know, unplug your monitor. I'm like, I, they're in USB-C. I, there's a port. You know, there's a hot thing. Turn them around. Turn your, because I've got like two 27s and a 55 yep. behind there. So unplug it. Turn it around. Let me see the uh, empty plug. You know, and I'm like, it was uh it was a thing i got through it's, it though. it's it's scary i mean it's scary in the fact that you're trying to sit you're i mean even if it's something like the cloud practitioner which you know folks prepare for certainly sure it's i mean you're trying to take an exam right it's a proctor exam and i remember one of the first ones i took so it was uh some years back when i took the first few and it did them in person but when i started to use Pearson, uh, I think they call that Pearson View. Or, Pearson View, yeah. Um, yeah they, I, I remember unplugging my webcam pl- and unplugging it or plugging it back in, and it wasn't recognized. I had to then troubleshoot all my peripherals you know, while I'm trying to get ready to take this exam. So it, it's a bit nerve-wracking. I, I, only, I tell folks, I'm like, find a telephone booth. Bob probably knows is a yeah. coworker of mine that we have these telephone booths that are essentially a black box and they work great until you hit the 30 minute timeout and you have to open the door and recharge it so that you get some, some air and uh, um, a bit of light back in there. But it's essentially, you need a, a clean room, if you will. So I think, you know, we could always go in depth on like preparing for an, uh, you know, a proctored exam. Well, you want to make sure that you've cleaned out everything on your desk. Honestly, it's like do it out of a closet almost. It seems like I told um, just uh, somewhere it's nothing anywhere. Friends like do it on your kit. Like um, don't make fun of me or for saying this. I was like, do it on your kitchen table. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know you're going to be like, uh. um, no, but it's like, you know, don't, don't do your proctored exams on your work. Cause it's like, by the time you're done, you really, you literally have to put the puzzle back of where's all the crap that he made me yeah. throw over my left shoulder. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then they watch your eyes. So cause I was joking with a couple of people I knew and I'm like, I'm just going to make, you know, eight font crimp sheets like back in the day. And like those, it's like, it is zoomed in on my eyes. Like I could see mm-hmm. the, the, the screen and they're like you, any DB, like you can't drink. Wait. Yeah. No, you can't drink water. You can't blow your nose. Yep. You can't, eat um yeah no interactions no interactions with the outside world you're yeah. you're in a clean no room for essentially no, yeah and it was uh i'm not gonna lie it was like i needed a cigarette afterwards it was like <laughs> whew, got i feel like there's a you know the whoever is proctoring the exam they're in they're like okay uh it looks like this bald guy he's sweating a lot um he's pausing he keeps looking down um hmm let's uh let's take bets on if he'll pass you know so <laughs> I always think of the two-way mirror kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So the one thing I'm really intrigued about is you help write some of the curriculum exam questions. Yeah. Yes. And I never, like, I want to, I got to ask you, like, how they're written. Is it like, is it trial and error, like, up oh, 100% of the people got this right? Or is there, like, a sweet spot, like, 80% got it right, it's a good question? Or, like, if it's 50% got it right, it's too hard of a question, we need to rethink this? Or, like, what's that? Is there a formula for that? Yeah, no, that's an excellent question. I get that question a lot. Um, They do take all those factors into consideration. So when they say uh, a minimally qualified candidate, the MQC, has... um, performed at this rate on this exam during this revision of the exam, you know, either this question is 
is an outlier and is extremely difficult for like this level of an exam. Um, and we'll, as like solution architects, we'll hash over these questions for like, uh, we spent like an hour plus on just one question. And generally at the t- by the time you're done hacking at it, it doesn't even look the same anymore. Or may not even, at that point, we may be like, okay, we need to scrap it now just because it's not even the same thing anymore. It's gone so far out of the field. But yeah, I mean, every time that you feel like everyone has those moments, right? Where you, you take an exam, you look and you're like, what the heck were they thinking writing this? This is, uh, you know, I think that I could challenge this or it would be way too difficult for someone at this level. I mean, they take that into, into account. And like the one thing I recommend to folks is, there's a little section at the end of the exam when you go through what's referred to as a review and you can add feedback. Please add feedback to say, hey, we've gotten from things like expletives within the feedback, which is always funny to see, um, uh, to um, you know, a detailed response on why the question sucked, which, hey, like I get it. It needs to be re-reviewed. And you're doing everyone a favor in the certification community when you're adding that feedback. So like, if it, the question sucks, please add the feedback so that not we don't just have to go over the metrics you know it can be human response to help us fix the problem so how frustrated do you get i know you probably don't but i know there's got to be people and i know i've dealt with my share of it you know like the nerdiest of the nerds where it's like god you don't know that you're stupid like you know it it almost to me it would almost feel like like teaching english to a non english speaking person right i'm like god how do you not know that um like do you do you get frustrated like when you're writing these questions you're like god this is kindergarten shit like or or you know uh well so like sometimes that you get a writer's block when writing the questions right so generally we all go off and you have so many questions that you're expected to write and then um it's not necessarily bound to um a service as in like troy only has to write questions regarding storage options for aws it can be any AWS service, which kind of makes it worse because now I have to think through all these different services, ensuring that it adheres to uh, the branding guidelines, which their Amazon AWS is extremely strict on um, the way that you write it, the way that the service is described. It is always the AWS cloud. It's never AWS cloud. Um, and, you know, the pronunciation along with spelling and such. What's that? Did they really go Ohio State on that? I did not catch Oh, that. they definitely go all Ohio State on that. Um, they're very diligent about fixing that within the, the questions and responses. So yeah, that's um it, we get it's just really just writer's block. And then y- you will go and you'll see your question come up for review. And it's usually um within the subject matter expert program, it's like myself and then like seven people in a in an Amazon Chime room. <laughs> and we you know, your question will come up and it's a bit of pressure because this is something you probably spent two hours writing to, you know, picking apart, making sure that you have your explanations for each one of your the responses. You have to go into detail to back it up with proper documentation on why it's the correct response or if it's the incorrect response. And it can get nerve wracking when like, because it's a mix of people. That's the best part about the program. It's from all global and it's, it's usually about 20% AWS employees, which are referred to as certification um, architects, solution architects. And then you'll have folks like me from maybe from consulting or from industry. And that's the beauty of it, because you're going to get all different um, types of folks from different backgrounds writing these questions and answers. But I mean, again, it's nerve wracking when they're like, 
okay, what was the intention of this question? And you're like, well, it made sense at the time. You know, do, need I say more? Um, can we just go on to the next one? But yeah, it's 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 fun though. It's like, especially if you like picking apart. I mean, it's fun when you're picking apart at someone else's question and response is a bit nerve wracking when it's your own, you know? So it's 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 great. It's a great program though. Yeah, so I've had a few, This, this I'm dying to get your feedback on this. I've had a few mm-hmm. friends that are been been at the desk. Mm-hmm. And they're they're at the desk and they're 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 stuck at the desk. Mm-hmm. And they're kind they're looking, you know, they're asking me, like, hey, you know, I just saw you got that cert. I wouldn't mind getting a little bit more technical. Where do I do what do I do? Yeah. And I'm thinking about yeah. going, all right, you know, I don't know. Um, right. So you know, I try to I ask people like you. So, like, what you know, we used to write a thing called the path, and the path mm-hmm. was, you know. Get your get your net plus security plus a plus. Yep. Go sit at a desk for two years, mm-hmm. not one, not six months. Figure out what you like, dabble into everything, and then go that way. If you want to be in dev, or if you want to be an admin, or if you want to be an architect, you know whatever it is that you get you up in the morning, get you fired up, right? Mm-hmm. Now let's say yeah. cloud hit you hit cloud. Now what what's that path look like? Yeah, no, that's an excellent question. And it goes back to kind of like reflecting a bit on some history of mine was like mid 2000s was very much a Microsoft guy, you know, Microsoft server admin throughout the years um, and took, you know, sat some at the time MCSE, I think they're still referred to as as those, but it wasn't wasn't, you know, Microsoft Azure wasn't uh, out yet. And it was primarily, you know, Windows Server administration. And I think I passed one of the first MCSE exams and then studied for the rest of them. And I failed miserably and I was terrible at taking them. I did so poorly on MCSE exams over the years that, or those course of those years when I was, you know, as as a server admin, it, it was pretty discouraging. I was like, man, I suck at this, but I'm like, I'm, but I'm good at my job. So, you know what? It it, it was a, a point where I'm, which I'm like, is it the certifications? Am I just bad at taking tests? That's why I think now, you know, like to see where I'm at now on some of the certifications being involved in this in the certification program, it's like, no, you're not oh you're not necessarily bad at the exams. It's just either the way that they're written or maybe it's really your hands-on experience. So you mentioned two years, which I think is always a good advisement, but it's like um, starting with the cloud practitioner is always, and, and, you know, in studying for that to ensure that you understand the fundamentals of AWS is always important. And then hands-on experience is, is some of the most important pieces of advice. Um, will it automatically get you a job by studying and passing your certified solutions architect associate? Probably not, unless you can sell the heck out of yourself in a job interview, in which you're kind of putting yourself up for a lot of risk. Risk that your performance will probably be a bit lacking because you don't have the hands-on experience and, and, you know, conducting interviews over the years, it's really, you know, we look for folks that are builders that like to have, and, you know, have hands-on experience with the product and, and the platform, you know, be it AWS, Google cloud or, or Microsoft Azure um, have experience with it. And then just the certifications very well are, you know, the fondant or the uh, icing on the cake. I see it a lot. It's just, you know, it's always, if, if you're willing to learn and study, it's great. 
but build first is generally my motto. So my I've been, I got argued with a few times on this that it's wrong, the wrong way to look at it. But I always, when I interviewed for my team and we were interview cloud admins or Padawans, as I called them, mm-hmm. I wanted to know, like when you said builder, it tipped off a thing in my mind where I'm like, what's, what's in your basement? I want to know, do you have a Raspberry Pi server, you know, automating your home lights and are, what are you tinkering with and what video games do you play? Like I, you know, I, I, I kind of dove into that world and cause I wanted, I wanted your profession to bleed into your personal because then you're not really going to work. Not that I wanted to yeah. overwork you by any stretch, but I didn't want this to be uh Fred Flintstone stamping parts or pulling dy- dino necks, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What, yeah. what, you know, what's your, so like, and, and even if you only had a cert, I could put you in as a level one. And then, but I, you know, like your inquisitive, your inquisitiveness, like trumped almost your cert. Like, yeah, certainly. Yeah. And that's like some of the first things I asked, like interviewees is, um, and, and I, you know, like, again, I, I'm on Twitter and I love the drama that comes with Twitter and in tech Twitter. Um, and folks, you know, there's the development community that says, um, absolutely, you need to be building at all hours of the night after work. It, it really goes to um, folks' ability to like learn and develop. I mean, at home, it's. It, I don't expect anyone to say, "Yeah, I, you know, I finished my work day and I'm, I'm developing against code or like trying to build things or." Um, tinkering or you know and so on and so forth it's just the curiosity just needs to be there right and in folks that are have that drive to like hey i want to figure this out and it might be you know i i've spent um i remember my time as a like a, a sort of a network admin and i would take the sys all the cisco network gear that i needed to deploy essentially in another country because i would fly out and and go to the plant facility and rack and stack all the gear, configure it. But I would get it all configured and know it like the back of my hand at home. I, I mean, you ask my wife and she'll tell you that Troy was carrying, you know, 2900 series Cisco switches into the basement, probably dropping it on my foot half the time. Um, but really, it's just the, it's just the desire to learn and like uh, and, and, you know, be inquisitive to, to, to uh, you know, build something. Right, right. But, uh, yeah. So that's why, yeah, the first time I dove into uh, GUI and code, that's when I became a salesperson because, like, my <laughs> when I wanted, you know, I was, I go, maybe I should go to the MCSC route and go the go to the tech route. And the New Horizons, it was like 18 grand to take a class. And I'm like, I just got done with school. I'm not, you know, now I got a what, you know, so I, you know what, sales, I'm good at this. You know what I mean? I'm, you know, enough just to be dangerous, but never, you know, never dove in. I was, I was, I was fine with that. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean it's a, it's always an interesting dynamic because you'll see the tech super techy folks see some of like the more we'll, we'll say technically rounded sales guys are like whoa what do they know or or it might be they just are disparage you but forget those types of you know types of folks but it, you know it's always the and then you have the sales folks that look at the technical crowd like wow they they really know their stuff and the technical folks have massive forms of um, you know, impersonation syndrome and and our imposter syndrome and are super worried about delivering and performing, which I think like, you know, imposter syndrome, another massive topic. And 
and how to deal with and how to what overcome mean, it. You mean like mumble, 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 digital transformation, mumble, 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 DevOps, <laughs> mumble, 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 cloud security. Pretty, oh, pretty wow. close to that. Mumble, pretty mumble, close tr- to that. Uh, zero trust. Oh, wait. He must yeah. Know his shit. Yeah. <laughs> Throw around some buzzwords and, and we're halfway there, right? So, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, yeah, it's always, it's, I mean, it, it, part of the, part of the reason why I've, you know, listened to IT and the D and love your guys' mantra is like helping out. Uh, folks either new to their careers in IT or, you know, helping along the way and like figuring out what can, you know, what's a toolkit do I need to be successful or to, to advance my career? So it's very admirable. Um, love it. So, yeah, no, I appreciate that. So, so talk to me about reInvent. I've never been, it's AWS yeah. Super Bowl in Vegas. Absolutely. Um, so I've been to 10 years in a row, four times a year of either HP or Cisco, either partner conferences or sales kickoffs or, and I'm talking the ones where we rented the rooftop at Tau and everyone gets their own cabana and John Bon Jovi's playing an acoustic set at house of blues at, you know, and these are, you know, 20,000 people to see Hillary Clinton speak in the, in the arena. You know, these, these are no joke. Like, okay, it's time Mm -hmm. to eat. And it's like you walk into Kobo Hall during auto show and it's just like 20,000 people eating lunch. Like, but this, but reinvents 50,000. Yeah. And I looked at the map and I got literally got anxiety just like looking at what's going on. You've been, you know, like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say you're the Oracle for or guru, pardon the bad pun, but like, how the hell do you go do when yeah. you're in reinvent? Yeah, it's um, definitely a sleepless week uh, just between, I mean, it really depends on where you're coming from. And by by that, I mean, I've I've been as an employee, not of AWS, but an employee of a, of a partner and have worked a booth for five days, which is grueling and wear your orthopedics here <laughs> because it is, you're, you're on your feet all day, for, say 14 hours. Uh, and it's just, it's pretty grueling or, and I've been, you know, as for, uh, on a personal conference pass before, and that was a bit more lax and more Troy curates the schedule on, on what I want to see. But yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a great event. It's a great event at reInvent and, um, it, it really takes some preparation to like get the most out of that. And it starts with open registration and, kind of as we were talking previously open registration is when they open the floodgates of hey all these workshops chalk talks um you know one-on-one chats with some of the industry experts is open and you can register for them and it's essentially a mad rush for everyone to try to find you know topics that um uh, you know that they're fond of that they may benefit from um for me it's a lot of what am I working on in my work or personal life and how can I benefit from that? And some of these folks, they, they take months to prepare the content that they're present. It's always extremely well thought out. Um, and some of the best that I've ever seen within the industry. So, um, plan wisely once the floodgates open and, and along with that, in that early process, you know, find your favorite hotel that's open and they do subsidize the hotel pricing a bit, but, uh, I have a, I have a preference on a hotel I've been to a few times and it was pretty okay. Uh, Treasure Island. And unfortunately it doesn't have all the grand allure of the, you know, the, 
the treasure, uh, the, you know, the treasure and the pirates fighting in front of the, the hotel anymore, but, um, it's close to everything that, you know, it's close to the Venetian, which is generally the main event there, uh, where they host most of it in the plot. So, you know, the surrounding areas. So, um, it works out pretty well. So, you know, find, find the topics you want to see, or you might benefit from, and then, um, start figuring out how the heck you're going to get there. Um, you know, in the most optimal way. I can imagine that. Is it FOMO? Is it the fear of missing out? I, I, it's got to be total FOMO. Yeah, it's got to be bananas between all the vendors are throwing their parties and all the vendors have their lounges and so and so's DJing here and they got the rooftop yep. there. Like, is it you just whatever you just like? You try to hit them all, Bob. Try to hit them all. Right, but like, yeah, you know, again, where do you start? I, I guess. You know, I guess it's whatever you're interested in, right? Because obviously, if you want to go deeply technical track, if you if they're just a schmooze, I mean, you obviously want to come out of there with something. What do they? What do they? Do they typically drop new product, new releases? Like, um, yeah. what what do you typically see? What do you, what's kind of the big bang stuff that they typically see? Yeah, no, good good question. So they have, and we're going through it right now. So like, essentially, the two months leading up to reinvent is something we call pre-invent. And pre-invent is all those service releases that a lot of us have been waiting for for some time that um, really, it's like the they wait for their change log to drop right before reinvent because they want to ensure that everyone hears about it, it's on the top of the radar, and um, you know they can talk about it in depth on these new cool things, these features that they brought to the services. So um, along with that, they... They have, you know, obviously they're they're big key, keynote speakers um, uh, throughout the throughout the event, um, and then they'll go generally in depth on some of the new service releases. But you know, they've pulled in um, uh, some of the Amazon S3, so simple storage um, uh, Glacier products, such as like the the sled, the snowmobile. It's just one of them is essentially a semi truck of storage that is carted to and from a amazon supported data center they've brought that on stage before you know they're a bit on the dramatics which is super cool and you know you got to hype it up um for for some of the uh, you know the releases but yeah it's a, a a release radar essentially going up to going up to reinvent and then um there is a great website that i'll plug um not affiliated in them in any way uh, but reinventparties.com um, is essentially an aggregation of all the different vendor parties that are going on and super simple links to go and sign up. So if you want to take advantage of, hey, you know, I want to totally you know, cram on all the tech content during the day and then might enjoy some free beers and cocktails at night, which who wouldn't? Um, reinventparties.com is a, is a great spot for that. Um, they have all those aggregated and you get, you know, all these different, um, might as well take use and get the free swag out of these vendors. I'll say um, freedrinks.org. It should be called. <laughs> <laughs> essentially, essentially. And then on um, to cap it all off. So you have these um, about four and a half days worth of tech. And then they have something called replay, which is on Thursday night and replay. Um, they've done it in the past in like the the fairgrounds at um, Mandalay Bay or just essentially a massive comfort, you know, massive open area where they can have a big party. And they've had names like uh, Zed and um, I think Coldplay and like wow. just massive headliners 
Um, and they, it's usually a secret until, um, until they get up to replay it, which is a lot of fun and, um, always just a, a cool surprise. And generally for me, it's like, I, I go to replay and then like, I fly out like an hour later, <laughs> like on a red, red eye back to Detroit. So, right. Uh, it's good. So it's what, I think it's, it's what eight, of fun. It 10 hotels. That it, yeah. It spans all up and down the strip. Um, they do have shuttles that go into and from some of the, um, uh, from the, the conference facilities. Um, a lot of walking, a lot of trying to figure out, I mean, again, unless you're following a map when you're scheduling all your, all your tech talks, it's like either you need to know where the hotels are because otherwise you might be running down the strip to try to make the next one. It's, it's probably not feasible. Right. So yeah. they, they're still working on that a bit. Yeah. Trying to make them all in one spot, closer to spots. It's, it's so difficult as a, as a civilian to then have to like take your wife there and actually pay for stuff after you just went total VIP for a, yep. for, for, you know, five days. And now you're like, wait, yep. it costs a what? Um, I remember going to a bachelor party with my cousin and mm-hmm. we tried to replicate the whole towel rooftop thing. And just to get 15 guys up there and like two bottles of vodka was like $2,200. It was like 150 a guy. <laughs> and we were like, <laughs> I remember just walking in and acting like I own the place. And now I got to pay. Home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I bet the accounting department loves all of us after, you know, these expense oh, reports my. coming in. You spent what? Yeah. Look <laughs> at that revenue line. Baby. For that look that revenue line. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Cost of doing business. Yeah. No, it's, I'm excited for it. Um, I haven't been since about 2020. So. Um, it's been a few years since I've been. I don't think anybody's and, uh, it has yeah, nothing's happened. Like yeah. we've only yep. got small regional events. So this thing is like, you know, the guys that have been cropped up in the house. I mean, yep. so here's here's a little warning to to anyone that's been at these things or goes. Um at HP, Cisco's a little a little lighter because but at a minimum of 50 people would get fired at every one of those sales kickoffs. Minimum. <laughs> and uh it was in it was either like that guy that lived in like small town Alaska or the guy who's, you know, the wife got him in handcuffs or, you know, the husband's got, you know, her in handcuffs <laughs> or whatever. And like people just, you know, can't, they don't like Vegas. It's, 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 they don't know how to hang. Yeah. yeah. They get, they get brought into the lure of it all. Yeah. And they're just, uh, go a little too hard in, in Vegas, forgetting that they're trying and to you forget that you have a giant lanyard with your name on it. Right. Right. Um, exactly. Right. You're throwing dice during like mandatory session. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause that's the thing they threw as soon as they could, they threw RFID tags on us. And then, and then it became, I'm sleeping in. Here's my name badge. Put it in your pocket, you know, so you can go, you know, like, we'll, we'll all pay you. yeah. Yep. Just click me in a class. We, as we'd say, you know, Right, yeah. right, 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 right. <laughs> so I know you were pumped up about um, Formula One in Vegas. I know you're yeah. talking about Vegas a lot, but that's all right. How the heck do they? I mean, obviously they got tracks and a lot of desert, but you were saying like they were driving through the wind. Yeah, yeah. I watched this video of this guy sitting at like a roulette table, and he looks back, and he's like, "Oh, I forgot that Formula will be coming to Vegas 2023," and you see a formula car as branded has oracle and red Bull all over it um just doing a, a burnout right at the entrance right by they must have put some mats down for it it's like right in the right in the casino the wind casino it's like wow later looked up to look at them going up and down the vegas strip and it is so cool um very much 
you know, I, I'm not a diehard formula fan, but I just, I, I like the allure of, you know, anytime formula was in Detroit, well, of course, when it was on, you know, on Belle Isle, but something about racing within the city and city limits and the, and the lights, it's just, it just, uh, is something different. No, I'm looking at a couple of the preview videos. Yeah. It looks, uh, looks pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, Hey, really I know. Cool. I don't want to get too far off on a left tangent, but I, the 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 phrase that comes up, and we'll, we'll end on this. But the phrase that always comes up lately is multi cloud. You got to be multi cloud. We're multi cloud. Are you multi cloud? Let's go multi cloud. What do we have to do to be multi cloud? And I heard you speak on it to a bunch of industry veterans experts, and I was kind of taken back by it because I always I walked into the game as a hybrid IT purist. And what I mean by that is you put the workload in the best place it could possibly be. Some things deserve to be on-premise. Some th things to be served should be in cloud one, cloud two, cloud three, cloud four, cloud five. Some things need to be there. And yeah, you almost went opposite of everything that I said just now. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. I, and I always thought I was on the right path until I was... <laughs> Got my hand smacked, and I, it makes sense to me. But I want to hear it from you now. Yeah, like your take on multi. Love to. Yeah, and certainly. So, and honestly, before I was in deep on a single cloud provider, in this case AWS, um, I was always very much best of breed. And but you know, reflecting on that a bit more, it might have just been more best of breed within. A Cisco product or an HPE product, and using their product line, you know, either be it server or storage, and it just working well in conjunction, right? You buy HPE storage, it might work a little bit better with HPE blades and a chassis. Um, but a lot of folks and teams, organizations, um, think and are terrified of vendor lock-in. They think that if we are going to move our our solution to you know, AWS or Microsoft Azure, that um, we're going to be stuck there. There's going to be no way out um, and that it's like the doom and gloom. It's the worst case scenario. Um, I think that a lot of organizations do multi-cloud pretty poorly. And let me tell you why. It's, it's primarily because it takes a village to support a multi-cloud platform. It takes skill, talent, um, time, and development of those teams, which will very much take multi-years to get to a point where they feel comfortable operating within a multi-cloud, because it requires not only the skills and talent, it's going to require all the tooling, it's going to require licensing, it's going to require um, executive support to say, we can do this right. We run things like regular game days, where um, why do most companies run multi-cloud? It's because they're concerned that either um, they had a workload running in AWS and say the U.S. East One region, which tends to go down because it's the most commonly used region in in you know in the United States. Um, and then they haphazardly move things to Microsoft Azure or move portions of it. And now um, their disaster recovery playbook has shifted or changed. So when a disaster recovery event occurs, they're scrambling trying to switch over DNS or no one knows where DNS may reside because they never changed it or it may be an affected region and they didn't kind of think that one through. So um, it a lot of organizations do it 
poorly and it ends up costing them a lot of money to do it poorly. Um, that's where my take is stick to a single cloud provider. It's okay to have a multi-presence with, I mean, hybrid will be here forever. Um, my primary vertical is healthcare and they're always going to be operating within these four walls, data center space in some form. So let's do it well and do it right this time around. We don't need to explore. Um, uh, we don't need to go explore the whole pasture. I understand maybe through a merger and acquisition that you're going to have a new organization coming from another cloud provider, but that's okay. We can let's work through transitioning either that to you know where does the long term strategy sit on how does those workloads operate in a well and performant manner. But I think uh, what you know what you see what you're seeing now is is these cloud service providers have almost become ubiquitous. Like yes. in, early, in the early days, it was like, well, we're doing Kubernetes. Okay, we have to go GCP. Oh, we're doing, you know, uh, you know, obviously Microsoft 365. But if we're running this workload in this environment, we need to go that. But it seems like I think everyone kind of caught up. And it's kind of, I don't want to say it's a level playing field because there's positives and negatives, everybody. Um, but for the most part, yeah, it's, a, you know, and then it becomes, you know, what it does, it, it just dawned on me. It reminds me of my early days in telecom where there'd be something would be broken and everyone, it was just a finger point game. No, it's Cisco. No, it's level three. No, it's, it's the data center. No, it's the, you know what I mean? And, and it ends yeah. up like, it just becomes an absolute nightmare. So yeah, the whole one yes. throat to choke, you know, it's funny how this business all comes first full circle, man. Like, you know, it all goes, no, you have to diversify. No, you have to come back in. No, you have to, you know. Mm -hmm. now yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess it, like in, in the sprinkling back into like best of breed, we know that things like Microsoft identity services are always going to be around. Like Active Directory is a yeah. is the bread and butter of multi-organizations, yeah. right? So like operating AWS and having and using IAM Identity Center, which is, used to be known as SSO, you're, you're likely going to be using Microsoft Azure Identity Services or Microsoft Azure SSO to you know to federate and uh, you know authenticate your users. It's just it's a common thing, and that's okay. It's really the CSPs need to work around that and like for their customers um, ensure that there's full compatibility for that, right? Otherwise, they're going to lose people, right? They don't want to have to use not necessarily have to use Okta or some people soft or you know some oracle product on on authenticating their users they want to be able to use what they're what they're used to and, and a lot of those you know common industry services so yeah no it's it's gone full circle and it just reminds me of you know hopping on a call bridge with level three and and you know another provider to say no i think you're at fault you know you're at fault <laughs> Right. Trace route stops. It's you. It's you. Um, right. Where's the demarcation point again? I can't yeah. recall. But hey, I could sit and talk with you for hours about this stuff. It's uh, it's fascinating to me and it's it's my life. It's lifeblood. And uh, no, I appreciate appreciate Tim, but we'll cut you loose and we'll uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to put my LinkedIn how to uh, book a meeting with you at reInvent. So if, uh, if you want to have time and uh, pick his brain, feel free. But hey, Troy Dieter, appreciate the time. As always, any insight and I look forward to seeing you on the battlefield soon. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Thanks. Yep. This is going to wrap things up for episode 449 of the IT and the D show. On behalf of Bob and Randy, do us all a favor. Drink up your drinks. Get your phone numbers. You don't got to go home. You just got to get the hell out of here. See you next week. Drive careful. Beat it.